Welcome to Meggie Ashes Radio, everyone. I'm Diane Burns, your host for this podcast series, in which we share conversations with some of the most interesting and inspiring people in the large yacht industry. Today, I am really pleased to welcome Rob McCallum, a founding partner and expedition leader of EOS Expeditions. Rob and his team have been leading super yacht trips to naturally and culturally diverse remote regions worldwide for years now. In fact, from its expedition leaders to its field guides, the AOS team has decades of experience, which as I'm sure you will agree is incredibly important to consider when you are heading off the beaten track. So we'll be talking about how this experience translates into incredible memories, as well as safety, of course, in today's podcast, plus how AOS's background opened a door to consulting on a pretty exciting project with Domin, the Sea Explorer Yachts and a few other topics as well. So, Rob, welcome to Megayacht News Radio. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you today? Good, good, good. Great to be here. Oh, terrific. Glad to have you. So let's jump into it. I think it would be really helpful to have people learn a little bit about your background and how you began to work with yacht owners and their guests. Yes, I, I I grew up in the uh, in the tropics, and I became a, a polar guide. So I explained it to my very confused mother that uh, the central theme to my career has been making complex things happen in remote places, and more often than not, that involves uh, going there by vessel. Many of these places are some of the most pristine uh, places on the planet. They are devoid of any infrastructure, and so you need a vessel to get there. And so uh, having worked in the commercial expedition expedition industry and now the private expedition industry, uh, vessels have always been the center point uh, platform for anything we want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned how many of these regions are devoid of any infrastructure, any support. So that brings up a really good point. Any expedition yachting trip, can come with some kind of risk. So generally speaking, what are some of those biggest risks? Well, the biggest uh, risk in the polar regions, obviously, uh, is the weather. Uh, in some of the tropical areas, it's also the weather, but also the sort of uh, the social temperature, if you like. And so the, the you know, we consider these challenges. This is the difference between normal cruising and expedition cruising. It's the difference between... Uh, you know, um, being a tourist and being a traveler. Uh, it's the element of the unknown, the fact that you can't actually predict every last minute of your expedition or your, your voyage before you leave, uh, that, that makes expeditions fun. It, it makes them a challenge, um, but it also means that you know, there's an element of the unknown, an element of exploration that really appeals to people. Right, that definitely is something that I picked up early on when I learned about your company, to me, the whole idea of seeing something that not only what I have never seen before, but few people really get to see is, is certainly thrilling uh, and exciting. But let's, um, you know, let's talk a little bit more about these challenges because I really want to make sure that people understand what you can help them deal with. Uh, you know, the, the fact of the unknown actually appeal uh, applies to some of these uh, safety challenges. So in terms of the polar regions, for example, when an owner or their captain comes to you and says that they want to visit Antarctica, 
what are the steps that you take to help them prepare and to prepare the yacht as well? Because I, I would imagine it goes well beyond just teaching them about staying warm and um, having the certain type of uh, you know, dry suits on and on board and things like that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, clients generally uh, approach us either as a, as a captain or as an owner, and they have an idea. You know, there's something that they want to do. And at one end of the scale, it's going to be something that's a, a world first or a, a world record. Uh, at the moment, we're working on the Five Deeps expedition, which is a guy going around the world to be the first human to go to the bottom uh, uh, the deepest point of each of the world's five oceans. But at the other end of the spectrum, it's someone who says, you know what, we've had the boat for a while now and we'd like to go to the Antarctic or we'd like to do uh, a Northwest Passage transit. And so they just come with the idea. And our, our role really is to sit with them and work out what it is they actually want to do, where they want to go, what they want to achieve while they're there. And then we start with uh, the planning process. And the planning is really unsexy. It is just hundreds and hundreds of hours that get poured into developing up uh, an itinerary, a technical schedule, but then all of the contingency plans which uh, are attached to that. So that no matter what we're served up in terms of ice or weather uh, or any sort of unforeseen um, uh, circumstance, we're able to, to have the trip go ahead and, and eventually uh, come to a successful conclusion. And we're getting quite good at this. We've done 1,200 expeditions now, over 850 of them in the polar regions, and uh, they've all come back safely and successfully, and that's simply because of the, the huge component of planning we put into them. That's an extraordinary number of voyages. I didn't even realize you'd done that many. That's incredible. Well, you know, we just work quietly away uh, behind the scenes. Uh, we are, you know, we'll next month uh, in the height of the Arctic season, we'll have uh, 14 vessels at sea at the same time. Uh, some of them are doing multiple expeditions during the season. So they they rack up. But it's, uh, you know, it's um, we have a huge amount of experience, but we, we, we learn from every trip and we retain that knowledge and apply it to future expeditions. In, in mm -hmm. a practical sense, the way it works is that when a captain first approaches us, is that we go and visit the vessel, and that's because you know in order to take a vessel to some of these places, we're going to take it to the very limits of its design parameters. So the vessel, as much as the captain and crew need to get to know us, so we have a 60-point checklist that we work through together. Um, so that everybody ends up very focused on the voyage to come and, and everyone's on the same page. The captain and crew get a, a sort of a, a more fuller understanding of what's involved and we get to know the boat. Um, it's also a great chance for them to ask the 101 questions they don't want to ask in front of the boss. Um, but it, on a more serious note, uh, it produces a report which outlines exactly uh, the capabilities of the vessel and how far we can, we can push and this is the document that more and more insurance companies and occasionally um, flag states or, or class societies are asking for. Uh, they're, they're asking if we're on board and they're asking to see a copy of the report. That's good to know. Yeah, I was wondering about that from the insurance standpoint, whether the insurance companies, uh, you know, as much as they're in the risk business, they don't necessarily want their customers taking risks. So I wondered if they got involved too. 
Yeah, they do. And and now we're being approached by insurance companies and having clients referred to us because they're saying, look, these people want to do this trip. They've approached us about insurance. We're not interested unless you're on board. So that's that's great praise for us. I mean, it, it shows that we are doing something that uh, is held of, of value to the insurer. Um, but, you know, if it enables a trip to go ahead, if it gives the underwriters uh, more confidence, so be it. Let's uh, Let's go and do it. And I, I think... You know what we're what we're trying to project here is is professionalism. You know we are we are not sort of yeehaw diehard adventurers. We are professional expeditioners. Uh, we take people to the very uh, you know ends of their abilities. We take vessels to the very edge of their capabilities, and we do what's possible with um, with the weather and the ice at the time. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. Now, what about the um just to get back to that, the idea of the insurance companies for a moment and some of the things you have on your checklist, are there particular things that you look for uh, structurally with certain boats? Um, I, I, I would imagine you might want a, a steel hold boat perhaps or an aluminum hold boat or does it matter? It, it does matter. Um, you know, we're trying to uh, customize, develop the itinerary to to the owner and to the vessel. So we, you know, we want a platform, a vessel, which uh, we can use to undertake all of the activities that the owner's keen to do. Um, but that those platforms, those vessels, come in very different uh, uh, sets of capability, and we then alter the itinerary to suit the capability of the vessel. So if, for instance, you are in a fiberglass vessel, like a small sailing yacht, then your trip to the Antarctic is going to be for a very defined period of time in the very peak of summer, usually the, the latter part of summer, when the, the weather is good and the ice is at its minimal extent. If you come to us with a steel vessel, then we can add another sort of eight weeks to the operating window uh, that you can be in the Antarctic for. If you come to us with a steel vessel with an ice capability and retractable fins, then we can say, um, you know, you can go to the Antarctic for maybe four months of the year. So the the more capable the vessel, the the less um, the, the less sort of alterations we have to make, uh, the less compromises we have to make to the itinerary. Right, right, sure, and everything is all about a compromise at the end of the day, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's why you're seeing now the emergence of, of uh, explorer vessels, which are purpose-designed for expeditioning. Uh, you know, we, we're involved with one, the Sea Explorer, and that's our tagline for that. Uh, there are no compromises. You know, if you if you buy the top-of-the-line sea, you'll be literally able to go uh, anywhere, anytime, because it has such great sea-keeping abilities, but also it has good ice-breaking capabilities. So it's, it is all about compromise. A lot of our clients, the majority of our clients, uh, have vessels that have no ice class whatsoever, but we still get them to where they want to go. We just have to be very careful with the timing of it. Sure, that makes sense. Let's talk a little bit more about this Sea Explorer Yachts because I find this to be pretty intriguing and exciting. How did the relationship with the Diamond Shipyard Group come about? Uh, actually, it began with a single phone call, uh, which initially I thought was a prank call because because it came from uh, their lead architect uh, uh, right on the eve of, of Christmas. 
and uh, I, I just couldn't believe uh, the opportunity. Uh, and it, this is a huge credit to to Darman and to Armels. Um, you know, here's a company, you know, Europe's most prolific uh, boat builder, has built over 6,000 vessels in 14 different markets. And yet, if if any, if, I mean, if anybody had the uh, the excuse of saying they knew it all, it would be it would be Darman and Armels. But they didn't. You know, they said we'd like to build a, an expedition vessel. Uh, this is a new market for us, a, a new genre, if you like. So we should go out there and talk to some expedition people and find out, you know, what it is that that should go into into the design. That's a huge credit to them. Um, so you know, we started with a, a blank uh, piece of paper and we started sketching out ideas. Um, they asked us if we could um, provide, you know, maybe a dozen design points, uh, just in order to to make the vessel. Uh, as practical as could be. We ended up uh, providing 155 design items and every single one of them were taken into the design and uh, eventually produced the, the Sea Explorer. And That's this is nice. the first time that I... Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is the first time that I know of that, uh, that a shipyard has been led by, by a practitioner, by an operator. So, of course, at the table there was the uh, designers and the architects but the people that had the sort of pride of place, if you like, were were the the, the practitioners, the people who will eventually operate the vessel, and uh, it was a fantastic um, process for for everybody involved. Yeah, you know, like you said, um, as well known as the Diamond Group and Amos are, they realized that there was a certain knowledge base that they did not have, so they turned to you to fill in those blanks. And obviously, your two or your three companies were very complementary in working with one another. You know, you have certain knowledge that they don't have. They have certain knowledge that you don't have. So you, you kind of do a, in a sense, it's like a dance. You know, you complement each other. You figure out who has the strength in one area, and that person can lead, and, and, and things just flow naturally from there. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's been a, a, a wonderful process. The design has uh, come a long way. Uh, it is uh, the first one. The 65 meter will be is, is just being finished now. Uh, the 77 meter uh, will be at Monaco uh, next year. Uh, we are planning on a 55 meter, and there's discussion about a, a 90 or a 95 meter. So the the proof of the design uh, is is to come. Uh, they are fantastic uh, looking vessels. But I, I give Darman and Armels full credit for not just wanting to take an existing super yacht design and then sort of ruggedize the exterior, you know, add a few cosmetic lines and a longer range fuel tank. They they actually understood as soon as we started talking about these uh, eventually 155 design items that it was a lot more complex uh, than they might first have imagined, and they didn't shy away from that at all. They built um, yeah. a truly tremendous design. That's good to know. What would you say are maybe two or three things that you brought to the table in terms of design and engineering features that you felt were very important? You know, some of the design features are really obvious um, and, and, and some are, uh, you know, exactly what you'd expect and, and some are, are hidden. I, I don't want to go through too many of them because, of, you know, 
um, I don't want to give away too much. Um, but you know, some of the some of the things that people comment on the most uh, is the bow, which is you know it's it's very uh, bold and in its in its uh, aesthetics. You know, it's a it's a straight up and down bow, and then there's a lounge and a viewing area right on top of it. And the reason that we have that is because we wanted a vessel that had very good sea keeping. Because sometimes if you're going across the Davis, Davis Strait from Greenland to start the Northwest Passage or you're wanting to go down to the Antarctic, you're having to traverse uh, some, some big seas. So we wanted a vessel with a big prominent bow uh, with good seakeeping ability. But at the same time, we have always recognized that the place that people want to be on an expedition vessel is at the bow. That's the place where you can watch ice being pushed around. That's the place where if we see a polar bear, you know, we go downwind and we start creeping up on the bear. That's the best place to get a photograph of the polar bear. It's the place where whales and dolphins will come. So we wanted a good viewing area there. And that's the only reason we have the bow like it is. It's not for any sort of architectural purpose. It's there because we wanted good sea keeping and excellent observation platform. It's a very obvious uh, sort of design uh, consideration. Less obvious, uh, you know, we are frequently getting people on and off a vessel in two or three meter seas. Um, you know, that would be unheard of in the superior industry. Normally, if it's sort of over a meter, people don't bother. But if you're going to the uh, to places like South Georgia or to the Antarctic or you know any of these wild places where you've invested a considerable amount of time and energy getting to you want to be get, able to get off and get ashore. And so developing up the launch and retrieval systems for the subs and for the, the tenders uh, was a key part of the design. And you simply don't see that. And you won't see that until the vessel is operating. Those are really good points, too. I hadn't thought about that. Makes a lot of sense. I think uh, one of the things that we see uh, most in in the vessels that we work with, and we, you know, we work we've worked with hundreds of vessels now. We've seen what works and what doesn't. The thing that intrigues me about a lot of yachts, even those that are sort of so-called explorer yachts, which really just means they have a longer-range fuel tank uh, to get from the Mediterranean to the Caribbean under their own steam. Um, you know, the the thing that fascinates me the most is the lack of thought that goes into endurance. So people, when they think about endurance, think about fuel, but they don't think about um, provision storage, equipment storage, garbage storage, sewage processing. These are not particularly sexy things, but if you want to go and do a Pacific Traverse or you want to do a trip to the Ross Sea or you want to do a Traverse of the Northwest Passage or you simply want to do an extended stay uh, in the Antarctic Peninsula, then you want to be at sea for you know some weeks. And that's when endurance really uh, is important. So all of the sea mm -hmm. explorers are designed with a minimum of 40 days. Yeah, it makes sense because, like you say, if you're going to undertake a serious voyage, there needs to be that serious support. Uh, you know, every, every definition of the word support and endurance that you can think of, that has to be part of the boat. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I mean, the, you know, the, the, all of the design items I talked about, you know, some of them are very obvious, like, you know, increased uh, ice capability, uh, the fact that we can retract the fins, the fact that we have extended um, bridge wings, 
which are enclosed so that when you are uh, when you're navigating in ice the uh, the navigator can see the bow and the stern and down the side of the vessel at the same time without having to go outside most people thought that that was a cosmetic touch by a designer in actual fact it's put in there because you know when you've done decades of ice breaking uh, uh, or maneuvering in ice you know that that's a, a core part of a of any ice vessel design mm. yeah right then and there your experience counts for a lot yeah excellent so with um with these sea explorer clients and with other other owners with other vessels um you know you you had mentioned a, a few moments ago you've done over a thousand voyages so far what for you personally is the most fun is it seeing them discover what you've seen so many times before is it um is it kind of rediscovering the world through their eyes i know that kind of sounds corny but i would imagine there's got to be some kind of you know smile that comes across your face too when their eyes get as big as saucers when they see a polar bear or they they see some wonderfully remote village in the tropics that few people ever get to see. So, you know, what gets you all excited about it? Yeah, I mean, all of those things are true. I mean, uh, we, we genuinely love seeing our clients just unwind, relax, uh, lean into their partners, start to reconnect with their families, celebrate with friends, uh, and just really start to soak in and experience these these pristine places, these these really special places. And when when you take the human dynamics and and you have these experiences, these these activities in these places, they they are life altering moments. Uh, you know, one of our clients uh, calls us the memory generators, and I I love that title because that's what we've done for her. Is we've generated memories that she will carry with her for forever. Uh, another one calls us human Prozac. Um, she says that you know you you know I never come away from a, a, one of your trips without feeling like I'm I'm just on an absolute high. And you know this, <laughs> this is really 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 high praise. You know that's what we love. But you know what? As a company, what we like is we love challenge. Uh, you know we we love the spirit of of uh, exploration and and expeditioning where you don't have everything quite nailed down because you never know what you're going to be given in the field. And so you have to have these very, very complex logistical uh, backup plans. And and we love that challenge. Nothing makes us happier than a client coming to us and saying, I've tried this on other people and they've said it's not possible. What do you think? And we think that, you know, we accept the laws of physics, but everything else is just time and imagination. We we can work it out Mm -hmm. in the end. Right, right. Where there's a will, there's a way for a lot of things. If you know, Mother Nature has very set rules for certain things, but you know, between your experience and being able to figure out logistics, you know what she might let you do, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the the unknown in all this is the humans, because you never know what it is they're going to come through the door and ask next. Um, so you know, we've had people come and say, "Look, I want to go to the Ross Sea in the Antarctic, but I don't want to." go on my boat there I just want to meet my boat there and it's like you know how do you get someone to the most remote part of Antarctica without using a vessel Um, you know how do you get a a guy to the bottom of each of the world's five oceans Um, how do you you know do the things that we've done that are world first well it all starts with a client who has the inclination and the money to make it happen Um, Mm -hmm. so kudos to them 
Yeah, it all starts with a dream, and it starts with having the ability, for sure. That's right. A lot of people talk the talk, but, you know, to actually put the money on the table and say, let's do it, that's a big step. And so, you know, these are people that, uh, well, they're very successful people, obviously, if they're spending this amount of money. Uh, they're very intelligent. They're, they're very curious. They want to see their world. And so in that, we're kindred spirits. Um, yeah, absolutely. They, they have, they've come to accept that it's not another jet or another house. Uh, you know, it, it's about something you can't buy, really, which is time. And they want to maximize their time. And they're limited only by their imaginations. So it's mm-hmm. a great relationship. Yeah, good, good. Well, Rob, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was it was really great to learn more about how you work with people and to hear about how you so aptly characterize these life-altering moments for people. Uh, there's a lot of food for thought, I'm sure, for some of the listeners, and indeed, I'm sure some of them will be inspired as well to start dreaming big and contact you. Excellent. Look forward to hearing from them. It's been a great ride, a a great privilege. Everyone, if you'd like to learn more about what Rob and his team can do for you, you can visit their website, which is eosexpeditions.com. That's E-Y-O-S-expeditions.com. That wraps up this episode of Mega Yacht News Radio. Thanks so much for listening. If you like our podcast series, please share our links on your social media channels. And, of course, um, if you are in the industry, we would love to have you as a guest. Also, if you would like to learn more about what's going on in the world of large yacht cruising, new construction, and design in general, we encourage you to check out our daily updated website, which is megayachtnews.com. Until next time, I'm Diane Byrne, signing off. (music) 